o'clock in the afternoon. Good afternoon. Today I have Mark with me. Hi, Mark. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name is, good afternoon, my name is Mark Richards. And for the bulk of my working life, I was a dull person in a suit uh, with some stripy ties and things like that. Uh, but always with a small voice inside me saying, let me out. I'm a writer. Um, and occasionally I did let the performing writing small voice out and um, I went off and performed stand-up comedy, done some of that. Um, and if you think being face-to-face -face with an axe-wielding murderer is frightening, I can tell you that it is nothing at all to doing stand-up comedy in Whitby on a Thursday night. Um, so I did that, but I carried on uh, being a dull person in a suit with a business in the financial services industry. And then my in 2009, my brother died of cancer. And it was one of those kind of pivotal moments in life where you think to yourself, I'm either going to do the thing that I really want to do, or I'm going to forget about it for good. So I, I sold the business. I started and sent the stripey ties to the charity shop, started writing and built a new business as a, as a freelance copywriter. And damn it, the small voice, which had said you want to be a writer not satisfied with me being a writer now started tapping me on the shoulder and said you want to write a novel and, and I said don't have any time to write a novel um besides which I don't think I can plot a novel because I you know just write these blog entries and things like that and website copy and everything else up to about 3,000 words and a novel is a lot more than 3,000 words but the small voice kept tapping me on the shoulder saying you, you want to write a novel and then then March of 2020 lockdown happened and I immediately lost two clients who obviously scaled right back uh, because of lockdown um, and suddenly the, the suddenly I found that I'd run out of excuses not to write a novel and I had the time to do it and uh, you know, I was working at home because the office where I previously worked um, had closed down because of COVID. Um, so suddenly there I was with the time to write a novel and, and no excuses. So I started writing the, the first one, which is Salt in the Wounds. And um, that was how it came about, really. So really, you know... Um, that's the story. And how did I come to write a novel? Well, I just I just ran out of excuses. I'm afraid <laughs> I was left with I was left with nowhere to go, and um, that was it. I started writing and um, wrote Salt in the Wounds, which was the the first of the Michael Brady books. So so that's where we were, March of last year. And how many have you got to your name now? So we've got three full length ones now. So Salt in the Wounds is the first one followed by The River Runs Deep and The Echo of Bones, which has just come out. Um, in Salt in the Wounds, Brady is 42. So I became a detective at 26. So I've also got his backstory to tell. So what I'm doing is I'm writing a series of novellas to tell his backstory from the age of 26. So the first of those is The Scars Don't Show. 
and the second is crossing the white line and gradually I will build up his backstory through the novellas with obviously some of the characters in the novellas cropping up later on in his life as well you know mainly because the ones that he put in jail when he was 26 are now coming out of jail when he's 46 you know so and they have a score to settle but yeah that, that's that's where we're up to so as of this morning I've just started on book four which is the, the fourth full-length one which so far is untitled um I've got an idea of how it's starts I'm about 3,000 words into it something like that um but no real idea as as I have a vague idea of how it ends but uh, I kind of fourth book into it I kind of trust the process more than I did first time around when I had a pretty clear idea of, of what happened you know it's the, the first book that you write is really just you teaching yourself to write a novel um and I think you can read you know, as, as I'm sure many people watching this um, have got a shelf of books with how to write a novel with Save the Cat and The Hero's Journey and all those things that we've that we've all read. You, you can, I think, honestly, you can read as many of those as you like, but sooner or later you have to find you, the, the method that works for you. Uh, and essentially that first book was, was me finding finding the method that worked for me and I've, and I've used it in the next two and I shall certainly use it in the third one as well I mean the method's simple really it's just just go into which whichever bedroom is free you know whichever of my three children isn't coming back for the weekend you know tell my wife I'm too busy to do any housework or cleaning or anything like that and just sit down and write you know that's that's the method really I, I, you know like to pretend it's sophisticated but really it's just hide from my wife and start writing you know <laughs> well you say hide but she's probably like oh thank god he's going to be out from yeah, under my for a few days. I, I mean let's be honest now let, let's let's get this out you know and, and I'm sure other other writers have said this being married to a writer is a very very difficult job it really is because you know you you, you can be having a conversation um, having a conversation and the person you're married to, the writer, is just staring off into space, you know, or, or uh, I will say to her, you know, let's go for a lovely day out. How do you fancy a day out in the country? And, and you know, maybe we'll have a lunch in the pub or something like that. And by day out in the country, what I actually mean is let's go and poke around the North Yorkshire Moors and try and find somewhere where we can murder somebody. Or, or where I can murder somebody, you know, let's let's walk round Whitby. The, all the books are set in Whitby. The full-length books are set in Whitby on just up the road from me. Let's walk round Whitby. And what walk round Whitby means doesn't mean looking in the shops or anything like that. It means just going round and round a route until I've worked out how the killer went round the route to come up behind the victim. And then we finish by, by eating fish and chips. I eat a phenomenal amount of fish and chips for research purposes, you know. Uh, fish, chips and peas, um, sadly, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, what's the most interesting thing you found out doing research for your books? Um, well, the most interesting thing that I found out mostly is that I'm still alive um because i do i do like to do the research properly um so for 
for book one, the, um, the, the fight scene at the end of Salting the Wounds takes place on the end of, <clears throat> excuse me, takes place on the end of Whitby Pier. So I did a lot of research there, just, just going on the end of Whitby Pier. I, I went there with my, my youngest son, who was um, 20, 21 at the time, um, and we sort of choreographed the fight scene on, on the end of Whitby Pier. You know, there's people fishing uh, while we're doing this. You know, there's people sightseeing. There's there's young lovers trying to steal a kiss. And there's this, like, insane middle-aged bloke sort of choreographing a fight scene while it's good. You know, I wanted to get the authentic feel of, you know, what was it like to be leaning over the side, l- looking right down at the, at the sea? So I was leaning off the end of the pier with with Alex, my son, hanging on to my belt, you know. So if my belt had given way, there probably wouldn't have been an ending to the book. Um, second book, I... Um, second book, Michael Brady, the hero, has to do a scene where he walks along the railway line looking for uh, the bridge over the River Esk where the, the Gina's body has gone into the River Esk. He's trying to work out where that happened. So I did the I did the walk along the railway line. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I checked I checked the times of the Whitby to Middlesbrough trains, um, make sure they weren't running when I was just going to, you know, as long as you don't dog me in. So long when I was trespassing on the railway line, mm-hmm. um, I, I, of course I completely forgot about the North York Motor Railway. Uh, and when I heard this loud noise, I realised that walking along the railway line maybe wasn't the best thing to do. But I think you've got to, I mean, there's a serious point there, that I, I think you've got to do the research. Um, uh, you've got to do it seriously because it, it informs the writing. And that's um, whether you're talking to somebody or whether you are actually doing the physical research, it, it might only be a line in the book, but that line has got to be right. Um, you know, with, with, with your background in, in um, forensics, I had a, a really, really fascinating online conversation with a um, forensic scientist in America. Um, and we were talking about the best way to dispose of a body. Um, and that was a long online conversation that we had. And it, it actually makes up about six or eight lines in the, the Echo of Bones. Um, you know, she she would, and she made a great point to me that that if you want to dispose of a body and get away with it, the 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 one thing you need above all other things isn't planning, isn't science, isn't chemicals, you know, isn't a zinc bath. What you need more than anything else is you need luck. You know, you've got to be lucky. Um, she she made the interesting point that a farm's a good place, you know, because they've got lots of machinery and they've got agricultural compost. Um, we, we were talking about um, sinking a body in, in water. She said that in uh, America, probably there's a body a week pops up from, from the lakes because um, they simply haven't put enough weight. Yeah, because they've done the maths, worked out how much weight they need um, and and what she actually said to me was you need probably twice as much weight as um as the textbooks say you need to, to keep the body down um so I mean, it's a, you know i mean as you know the internet search history of most writers is pretty pretty you know exciting stuff you know um 
but I really, really enjoy that that research. And I, I think you've got a sort of duty to your readers to, to get the research right. Um, so, you know, if any of you, any of anyone watching this or listening to this does want to dispose of a body over the weekend, just remember twice as much weight as the textbooks say you need and small gauge netting so that the fish can eat the soft parts through the, through the small gauge netting. If you've got nothing planned for the weekend. <laughs> and you want to dispose of someone in water. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if not, then a farm or pigs, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because who's got a farm or pigs handy, you know? Um, so, you know, um, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I love I love the research. I love I, I like the fact that you can you can get it right. You know that if you do enough work, you, you can get it right. You know, I mean, inevitably over the course of um, six, seven, eight, nine books, you know, you're going to get something. You you you'll inevitably make a mistake. Um, and you know, if you're writing eighty thousand words and you end up writing a million words, you, you're going to make a mistake somewhere in there. That that's inevitable, but you can at least try and get the basics right, you know, and do your research. And I, and I, I love doing it, um, with the exception of, you know, at some stage, um, Brady will find himself thrown into the North Sea. And I feel that I've probably got to do that. Um, and I'm not looking forward to that very much. Um, he's got to go out on a fishing trip in the North Sea. I'm not really looking forward to that. But, but, you know, you can go online and you look at pictures and you can read it. But what, what looking at pictures doesn't give you, it doesn't give you the noise. It doesn't give you the smell. It doesn't give you the, the kind of taste of it. Um, the sort of genuine, you know, how cold do you feel do you suddenly get when you go straight into the sea? I don't know. Um, I just, you know, hopefully my wife will be there with a blanket. But, but, but if she's not, well, we'll just have to. You know, have to increase my life cover or something like that. <laughs> you better stop buttering her up now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you hide secret jokes or messages or Easter eggs in your books? Ah, oh, that's a really, really good question. Um, not Easter eggs, no. <laughs> okay, but but I do um, secret jokes. Yeah, I probably do. Um, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but. But yeah, just little things, that, and I think probably lots of writers do this. Little things that will be known only to um, only to the person concerned. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't mind naming characters after people that I know. That that's fine. Um, and certainly, if you're reading the books, and um, Brady says um, he likes his bacon sandwich, you know, with with proper bacon from the butchers, crispy bacon, uh, tomatoes, not tomato sauce or brown sauce, you know, little things like that. That's me coming out in the books. But yeah, I do do that. Um, yes. Um, and um, little things where I draw on personal, personal examples. And of course, you say at the front of the book that um, all these characters are fictitious. Well, they're, they're not, are they? You know, they're, they're, they're amalgams of people that, you, that you've met in your life who've said certain things or struck you, or people that you knew when you were younger and you wonder how they, how they might have turned out. Um, you know, I, I make no bones about it. Ruby, who's one of the characters in the Echo Bones, is um, to some extent based on a, on a girlfriend that I had when I was about 20. 
uh, and just one you know just wondered how she would turn out later in life and and to some extent ruby is her um plus a few other people thrown in you know um and a bit of imagination um but but if you don't you know if you don't draw on people if you don't draw on people that you meet and people that you talk to that then you know what are you doing um you, you know we're going to a uh, it's my wife's mother's birthday, significant birthday in a couple of weeks, and there'll be a family thing. And I'm, you know, for once, I'm quite quite looking forward to meeting my in-laws now that I've started murdering people because there'll be a there'll be a rich vein there of in-laws with strange characteristics, you know. Um, anyway, none of them will be watching this. I'm fairly confident, so I sh- should be all right, you know. They do is like, no, I wasn't talking about you, of course not. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, I've not done that yet. I've not sort of settled a score in my personal life by killing somebody in a book. I, I, I don't think I've got anybody that I need to do that to or for, you know, um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. I like the yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I've, I've bought a pack of trained killer dogs in case anybody gives the book a one-star review, you know, I'll just dispatch this pack of trained dogs up the length of the country to hunt them down, you know. <laughs> well, that leads me nicely to another fun question I'd like to ask. If you were to be a killer in a book, how would you kill your victims? How, oh, right, okay, good question. Um, in the first book, um, you probably heard of Whitby Goth Festival, yeah, so, so the first murder takes place in Whitby Goth Festival. Um, we go, it's set in 2015, so that's you know, pre-COVID and things like that. Um, and um, the, the killer there is just dressed as a Victorian gentleman um, carrying a, a sword stick, you know, and, and about 50% of the men in Whitby uh, on a Saturday night on Whitby Goth Festival would be, would be carrying a sword stick. Um, I am not, um, so that's one option, you know. Um, I, I, am, I am not a practical man, okay. I'm, I, I, I'm really, really bad at DIY. In fact, it's probably, probably difficult to think of a man worse at DIY than me. Um, so I couldn't, I couldn't do, have any sort of murder that, that involved DIY, you know, knots and things like that. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do anything like that that involved knots or hanging or anything like that because I'd just cock it up, you know, and the, and the knot would just unravel and the victim would just fall on the floor with a sort of mild rope burn or something like that. <laughs> um, stabbing, I don't know. Um, gun. I've never fired a gun in my life, which is probably something that, that I um, ought to put right. You know, air rifles at the fair, but that's, that's it. Um, it, I think the answer to your question is it probably depends on on who the victim was. Yeah, um, but I think that I think the, the, the key thing for me is it would have to be something that that could be done quickly because you know anything practical um, that involved me doing you know I couldn't build an elaborate you know like a James Bond villain where they've got an elaborate setup to see off James Bond. I couldn't do anything like that, you know. Um, I mean, I, I, I do live in, I live in Scarborough. Um, 
on the coast, you know, that the, um, the Cleveland Way is just sort of five minutes that way. Um, the cliffs are, are pretty high in many places. So nudging somebody off the cliff would be, you know, would be uh, a, a possibility for me. Um, you know, I'm always, I always, I always look, um, Sands End at Whitby is a great place because it's got these um, breakwaters going out into the sea or groins to give them their, their proper name that you learn in geography at school. Um, and I always think just tying somebody to one of those and waiting for the tide to come in would would be an interesting thing. But it but it brings me back to knots, you know. So I'd be, you know, I'd do that. I'd be sitting in the pub, and the person I'd be trying to kill would just walk in because the knots had all given way, you know, or something like that. So, or I'd have bought some sort of rope that dissolved in water or something. <laughs> um, so I think for me, it's probably got to be quick, uh, quick and not practical are the two boxes that I need to tick. I would just throw out cable ties, just, you know, to mix things up a bit. Yeah, 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 cable cable ties, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's, um, you know, that, that's, um, we're probably straying into a Fifty Shades of Grey murder here now. <laughs> you know, again, I'd be useless at that because of, of the knots problem, you know. Um, but yeah, cable ties, and you know, um, go down a B&Q or something like that, you know. Um, okay, so that's my murder. That's my murder method. <laughs> um, do you have any phobias and would you write about them? Do I have any phobias? Not really, no. I'm not... Um, my wife and I were having a chat about this the other, the other day. In fact, yesterday when the, when the, when the clocks changed. So... I'm not fussed about the dark or anything like that, or ghosts, you know? Um, anything that I'm irrationally afraid of. I'm, I'm not very good with heights. Um, I do get, you know, if you if you watch on YouTube or something like that, or Facebook, a video of somebody walking along a, a very narrow bridge with a huge drop, I do get that funny feeling in, in my legs, you know? So I'm not very good with heights at all. Um, I, um, you know, as, as, as you get older, you get less agile, and as, as when you fall over, it hurts a lot more, you know. Um, but but apart from heights, is probably the only one. But but you know, um, anything else doesn't really bother me too much. Spiders, all the traditional phobias, um, don't don't worry me. Um, Although um, I, I will, um, for Brady, there's, there's something that happens to him in one of the novellas that I'm going to bring back in this in this fourth book. But that's that's more of a medical condition than a than a phobia. Um, so um, yeah, probably probably no to too many phobias. My wife's got phobia of spiders. Absolute spider. Uh, arachnophobia um but not not any others generally um if you were to team up your detective with another fictional detective to solve a case who would you choose okay good good um so brady's 42 um he would um I'd quite like to see him teamed up with um, Sarah Paretsky's VI 
Warshawski. Um, I, I might just spin him back in time a little bit, something like that. I, I'd quite like to send quite like to send Brady after Hannibal Lecter. I think that would have been a that would have been a really good matchup, you know. Um, Brady's persistent, you know. He gets there in the end, and he's he's a lot more intelligent than 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 you think he is. Um, so I might, you know, even sending him further back. Um, uh, um, I used to read the um, the Shardlake novels as well, C.J. Samson's Shardlake novels. So so maybe bringing a bit of time traveling and sending him back to the Middle Ages. Um, but I think you know I'm trying to develop um, his um, Frankie, his um, DS. Um, trying to build book by book the relationship with her, um, and I enjoy the um, I enjoy the sort of conversation between the two of them. Interestingly, that's I find it um, in in the novellas. Brady is married; his wife subsequently dies. Um, I actually find it easier to write the conversation with Frankie than I do do with his wife. Um, just seem to have a be better. You know, writing, some things come more easily to you than others. Um, so I just seem to have a better handle with that. Um, but um, I, 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 I like the way Brady sort of gets there on his own, you know, and makes complete cock of it, cock of it, cock up of it to start with, um, and, and then gets there. Um, but maybe, maybe Sarah Paretsky's detective, um, or... Um, Others, um, it could probably it could probably have a really good conversation with Morse as well. You know, um, he um, I, I figure he could have a good good conversation with Morse, and they'd probably get on really well with Morse as a Morse sort of father figure to him. I, I, could, see, I could see that working really well. Um, he does have a sort of father figure mentor in the in the earlier books. Um, that I've brought into the other series as well. So, yeah, I could see that working well. And if you were to be murdered, who, what fictional detective would you want on your case? Oh, right, OK. <laughs> I told you I asked different questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, so, oh, all right. Um, OK, let, if, I were, if I were to be murdered, then, um, you know, if we go back full circle... Um, and I've been pushed off. I haven't been the pusher. I've been the pushy off the cliff. I would probably want Sherlock Holmes, I think, on the case, because uh, simply he would he would look at the mud on my trousers and say and work out where you know where the killer had been and things like that. And um, Sherlock Holmes just going right back to when I was thirteen or fourteen was sort of the first first detective that I ever read. Um, and um, and simply, uh, maybe not Sherlock Holmes investigating, but um, I I'd want Watson to tell the tale, you know, just simply so he can say, you know, the game's afoot and great Scott Holmes, I ejaculated <laughs> and stuff like that, you know, because I just love that that sort of style of language. Um, so that would be, um, that would probably be my answer to that. Um, have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? No, no, none at all. Um, no, uh, I, I just sort of pitched into this. Um, so no, I have no author friends. In fact, I'm a writer. I, essentially, I have no friends at all. 
Um, all I do is sit here and write, you know. Um, and consciously, before I started writing the Brady books, I didn't write, read a lot of other detective fiction or mystery thriller suspense. And the reason that I did that was that I didn't want to produce uh, just a copy of what somebody else had done. You know, I, I know that that's the standard advice, that if you start writing in a genre, you should read lots and lots and lots of other books in the genre so that you you, you see what's, what's um, popular, you see what boxes to tick, tropes, and this, that, and the other. Um, I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to... Um, this probably comes from my copywriting business, where if I, if I have a client... Um, Come, a new client come to me, say, say they're an employment agency or something like that. Um, I won't look at the website of another employment agency. I won't read what another employment agency has, has written because I, I don't want to catch the standard voice. I don't want to sort of absorb it. I want, I want to come at it fresh with my own voice. So um, I, I, read, I read precisely one detective book before I started writing uh, and um, that was one published by Thomas and Mercer um, Amazon's imprint and I thought you know I, I can do that uh, I can do that um, and um, that was it I mean probably now there are several that I would like to read but I'm, but I'm very conscious of not producing a copy of somebody else I want it to be authentic and, and written in my, my authentic voice. And do you hear a lot from your readers? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I love the readers and, and I engage with them a lot. Um, I've got a reader group on Facebook, which is a private group on Facebook. Um, I'll send you an invitation for that if you want to be in that. Um, yes, I do. Um, the, the, that group's got maybe 200 people in it um, and I, I think demographically they're a very good cross-section of the readers uh, of, of my readers um, it's uh, and, I, and I work really hard in that because I, I, I want them to I, I want them to um, give me feedback you know so I'll post extracts of the books and I will um, ask for ideas um, because with the best will in the world um, I, I, I don't think you know um, I think you've got to get as a man writing you've got to get the motivation and the mindset of your female characters right and I think you know that uh, I, I'm not afraid to ask about that you know and if, a, if somebody says to me, look, a woman just simply wouldn't say that, um, I, I think that's absolutely fine. You know, I'm not a writer who just chucks his toys out of the pram and says, well, I've written it, it's sacrosanct, you know, because, because men do not understand women all that well, you know, if at all. Um, you know, two completely different species. Um, and getting the motivate because... At least eighty-five percent of my readers are, are women, you know. So you've got to get your female characters right. Um, so yeah, I do spend a lot of time engaging with readers, and um, you know, when somebody comes back to you and says, "I really like that," 
you know that that's that's rekindled my love of, of reading then then that's something very special um in in the latest book in the the echo of bones i've got a couple of characters who are on the autistic spectrum and um a couple of people have said to me have written to me and said you know thanks for that treatment sympathetic and accurate treatment of people on the on the spectrum um and I, and I spent a lot of time on that research and, and getting it right and getting the, the patterns of speech right. And that was really, really rewarding. Um, but yes, yes, I do. Uh, you know, from a, from a, um, a time spent point of view, I spend, you know, somebody, um, you know, there are writers who make tons of money but I just churning books out and ignoring readers and just churning the next book out and churning the next book out um you know readers engaging with your readers helps that helps certainly helps me to, to write better books and and that's what it's all about at the end of the day you know you know clearly there's people banging out books making lots and lots of money but you've got to be true to yourself and write the very best books that you can and honestly just just i love the readers to pieces i really do um i can't emphasize that too much um and you know um as and when all these restrictions on covid end and things like that if anybody wants to invite me to speak about it i love that as well and um, happily do anything like that but yeah i do i absolutely love it you know and i i can't I can't say anything else other than that. Um, if you were able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? The, the, the two authors that I, that I most admire, uh, uh, and strangely for the same sort of reason, uh, Hilary Mantel, who writes the, the Wolf Hall Thomas Cromwell books, and um, coming back to a point I made earlier, Thomas Harris and, and Hannibal Lecter, and, and what I particularly what what I what I admire in the, those is the very subtle shifts of point of view and the the sort of internal internal dialogue that the characters the two main characters are very clearly having uh, i also admire the way that they take a character who's ostensibly not not sympathetic um and and you you end up liking the character you know you're prepared to forgive hannibal lecter the fact that he'll eat a petty bureaucrat or something like that because quite obviously it's the right way to deal with somebody like that you know who just wants you to fill bloody forms in you know um so those those two those two i would quite like to spend some time with you know get, you go back to sort of the, the 30s or, or something like that and um the, the writers of pulp fiction who churned the books out very very quickly yeah I, I, you know i mean on an old manual typewriter that that's a magnificent achievement um I, I, Every quote that I um, 
that I sort of regurgitate about writing seems to come from Ernest Hemingway. So, so that's another one to add to the list. I mean, Ernest Hemingway, um, the, my favourite quote is that once, once writing has become your greatest pleasure and your major vice, only death can cure it. And, and that's pretty much, pretty much where I'm at, you know. Um, and, and Stephen King as well, who, who gets a bad press quite often, but, but talks an awful lot of common sense about writing. Um, you know, that, that just basically, you know, you can't sit around and wait for inspiration to walk through the door because it may not do that, you know. So you've just got to sit down and start writing and, and that's all there is to it, you know. I mean, the, however many words I've written this morning, that, that they're not very good, but, but they're words and I can edit them, you know, and somewhere in there, there'll be something that is, that is good and, and the rest will lead me on to something else. And, you know, that there were, you cannot edit a blank page as the saying goes. So um, having, having, you having asked me for one, I've given you five, you know, so, um, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so probably those people. Good choices. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hope so. I hope so. I, I just I do I do admire the, the the very subtle shift of point of view in in um, and you know that line in in um, I can't remember her name, but when Lecter is talking to the senator about her missing daughter and and, and says he took a sip of her tears, yeah, that's just brilliant line, brilliant line, absolutely, you know absolutely perfect um you know and if it took all afternoon to write that line well that was an afternoon well spent you know <laughs> a complete shift um who was your first celebrity crush my first celebrity crush <laughs> okay so uh, so um <laughs> how far are we going back um <laughs> My first, not a celebrity, but Angela Miller was my first crush, you know, and I wasted a bloody lot of time pursuing Angela Miller, I can tell you. And however, that girl washed her hair. How many times did she wash her hair? Every time I asked her out, I can tell you. Um, I was um, probably, probably um, Nicole Kidman's probably the celebrity crush that's most affected me um, uh, over the course of my life, you know. Um, so... Um, yeah, 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 and um, seems to me to get slightly more attractive the older she gets. So Nicole Kidman is the answer to that one, probably. Um, <laughs> you know, um, who did I want to be growing up? Uh, probably wanted to be a footballer or a cricketer, you know, as you do, as boys do. Um, but but Nicole Kidman is my first celebrity crush. Um, my <laughs> longest lasting. I've stayed faithful to Nicole Kidman for a, for a long time as a celebrity crush. <laughs> if I was to ask your darling wife and those nearest and dearest to you, what would they say your most annoying habits are? Oh, just I've got thousands. I've got thousands. <laughs> I mean, apart from, apart from, um, apart from sort of losing concentration in the middle of a conversation because I'm thinking about something else. Um, you know, I've I've reached the age where I can't do anything without making a noise. So I can't get off the sofa without making a noise. You can't go upstairs without making a noise. Um, you know, I, I glibly say that I need total silence to write, and I actually make a noise all the time. You know, whether I'm whether I'm just shouting at um, 
Microsoft Word because Microsoft have added another new feature ostensibly to improve it, which has made it even more difficult to operate. You know, um, I'm not a technical person at all. Um, so um, making a noise, you know, I, oh, the other thing I do is I just, I, I just get up ridiculously early. Okay, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a morning person. You know, I'm a middle of the night person. Okay, so I get up at five o'clock in the morning and um, the clock's going back has completely uh, made that even more ridiculous. So now I'm getting up at four o'clock in the morning uh, and it's ludicrous because by the time my wife gets up at a conventional hour, you know, I think it's lunchtime. You know, eight o'clock at night, I'm ready to go to bed. So I can get up at four o'clock the next morning. Absolutely ludicrous. I would be quite, I would be interested to sort of live on my own for a couple of weeks to see what, how that evolved and what kind of rhythm I got into. But that's, that's just a ridiculous habit, you know, just ridiculous. Um, what else? I shout at the television. Okay. You know, I am, uh, I might, might as well freely confess this. Um, I live in North Yorkshire. Um, I am North Yorkshire's only known supporter of Wolverhampton Wanderers. You know, I, I should have grown out of it years ago, but I still shout at the telly. You know, I, I watch the games that are not on telly on a duck, duck, dog me in again. I watch the games that are not on telly on an illegal stream. I shout at my laptop. You know, I should, ridiculous, ridiculous. The, 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 and, and if my wife came up and and you asked her that question. She would just, what time is it now? Three o'clock in the afternoon. She would just talk until five, and then she would <laughs> then she would have a large gin, and then she would carry on talking until six o'clock. You know. um, so, I'm going to have some good points, you know, but... but I'd you know, hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm moderately amusing, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, apart from trying to kill yourself doing research, what else do you enjoy doing in your free time when you're not writing? I've always I've always liked sport. Yes, yeah, so, so you know, I mean, I don't, don't play anymore. Um, I, I live I live by the sea. The beach is five minutes and thirty seconds from our front door, um, so I do like walking. Um, you know, I've done a few long distance walks with my youngest son. Um, you know, we I used to take the dog out. We lost our dog just coming up to two years ago. Um, I do try and keep myself fit because writing from a fitness point of view is just a ludicrous thing to do. Um, it, you know, you just sit down, um, you know, drink too much coffee, you know, eat, eat too much flapjack. Um, uh, you know, it's a ludicrous thing to do from a fitness point of view. Um, so uh, that's it. But uh, I, I love going out, doing the research trips, you know, um, the, the normal stuff, um, film, theatre. Um, I've just, um, just said to my wife that we've, I've been to the opera twice in my life. I quite like that. I'd like to, I'd like to go back to that. Um, my problem is, um, and you'll know that, it's just that once you write and you start to watch a film, you start to see the story structure behind the film. 
and you you know and you kind of you kind of know what's going to happen sometimes because the film has got to tick certain boxes it's got to hit certain signposts along the way you know um so I, that's that's a really annoying habit that just that really is that that I won't I won't enjoy a film for the sake of enjoying the film. Um, I will um, spend too much time analysing it from the story structure point of view. Um, what else? I like eating. I really like eating. Um, uh, drinking red wine, you know, eat, eating out, things like that. I, I, I am partial to, to that. So, you know, whether it's fish and chips at Whitby or just just going down to the little local restaurant. Um, uh, yeah, that, that sort of thing. So pretty much everything. Um, but I spent far too much time writing and thinking about writing for a healthy, balanced life. Sounds pretty much like every other author to me. So yeah, yeah, you're yeah. okay. You, you spend far too much time in, in your own company and in your own head. You, you, you do and um and if, if you have an idea you have to write it down straight away you know that's another irritating thing that i will suddenly dictate a note into my phone or send myself an email or something like that you know because you can't let an idea escape um so yeah that, that that's another irritating thing that i do you're not alone in that either. <laughs> um, and I also start. I, I, <laughs> I also start interviewing people. You know that that I will start talking to somebody, uh, and the, start to steer the conversation in such a way that my wife will sit there. You know, maybe we're out having dinner or something like this, uh, and she knows full well what I'm doing, and but you can't help it. Because you think, oh, this could be quite interesting. You know, this this might be a character. You know, um, you you can't help doing it, and and off you go. Um, uh, so so writing is a you know it's just a ridiculously selfish thing to do. Which is why I say that you're all a bunch of weirdos in the nicest yeah, possible yeah, way. Yeah, quite so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you may be pleased to know that I don't have any more questions for you, unless you think there's anything that I haven't asked you that you would um, like to tell us. No, I don't think there is really. I think it's been really good. It was really, you know, I mean, the, the questions, you know, um, you, you're sort of geared up for answering the question, why do you want to, did you always want to be a writer? You know, this, that, and the other. What, what's your writing routine? You know, this, that, and the other. Um, you know, get up, write, stop writing, go to bed. Um, no, um, just going to crack on with the Brady books. The next one will be out um, end of February. Um, then a couple more in 2022 or whatever year comes after the one that we're in now, 2022. Um, so, yeah, that, that's it. You know, um, I started off writing Brady thinking that I was going to write six, probably now, um, maybe 10 or 12, but what I won't do is I won't, uh, you know, sometimes you see TV series or books go on long after they've reached a natural end point. And I don't want to do that. Um, but, but for now, you know, love doing it and um, really, really do. Um, you know, so um, yeah, what, what I'll do now is probably go downstairs, 
um, irritate my wife and find somewhere to irritate her, you know, make a cup of tea, come back up here and try to get to the end of my word count for the day. Well, just before we go, would you like to remind everyone where they can get your books from and where they can find out more about you if they wish? Yeah, sure. Okay, so there's actually a big box down here from Amazon with some author copies in, which but I haven't opened it yet, so I can't hold any up. Have I got any hanging around, knocking around? I haven't. Um, so the first, the start, you know, always with a series, start with the first one, because there is a continuous theme goes through them. Um, so Salt in the Wounds is the first one. And if you put Salt in the Wounds and Mark Richards into Amazon, that will come up. Um, and if you want to know more about me, um, markrichards.co.uk is the website. And um, there's PDFs on there where you can read samples of all the five Brady books. And, and that's pretty much it. Um, I'm, um, I'm on Facebook. And for the life of me, I can't remember what the page is called. Mark Richards author. Um, but have a look on the website. And as I say, the books, Mark Richards and Salt in the Wounds on Amazon. And that will find everything you need to find. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much. My pleasure. Absolutely. Really, really enjoyed it. And uh, of course, I'm now going to spend the rest of the afternoon thinking about Nicole Kidman. Now you've planted her back in my head, you know. Um, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, and also answering this question of how would I actually murder somebody? Probably, probably talk to them about writing and bore them to death. Might be the answer. You know? <laughs> Not at all.